it's not that we always have to get it perfect, but sometimes when it goes wrong, that can be an opportunity for our kids to reflect and to learn and maybe make a different choice in the future. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 229. Today, we're talking about what to do this summer with Katherine Reynolds-Lewis. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course and membership. I am the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back, my friend, or welcome if you're brand new. This is a great first episode to listen to. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Katherine Reynolds-Lewis, who is coming back on the podcast. She's a Harvard-educated journalist, parent, educator, and author of The Good News About Bad Behavior, Why Kids Are Less Disciplined Than Ever and What to Do About It. And we are going to be talking about what the heck are we going to do this summer? So, you know, with the, glo- the global pandemic, kind of seems like we're facing a whole summer with practically no camp, maybe no vacations, maybe no in-person socializing. Holy schmoly. I mean, what are we going to do with our kids this summer? So we're going to talk about this and I invite you to listen for these important takeaways, how we need to plan ahead and prioritize together with our kids, how recognizing that it's We want to be able to recognize that it's a strength to ask for help and that we can figure out what are our bare minimum parenting standards. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. It's a very real and relaxed conversation. You'll hear that I get in the flow and I I misspeak and I named George Floyd a different first name as we discussed what has been happening with that later on in the episode. And I'm sorry that I did that. It came out pretty quickly. And I'm kind of notoriously bad with names, So, but it came out. So I'm sorry. Um, before we dive in, I want to let you know, I'm so excited. I've been talking about the Mindful Parenting teacher training here on the podcast for a little while. And we already have people enrolled in this set new second cohort that's going to be starting the teacher training part in October, but you can enroll now and do the prerequisite of the mindful parenting course over the summer. And we have all the information now that you need about the mindful parenting teacher training at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. So you'll find the, all the information there. And this is a certification for you to teach the eight module mindful parenting course in person in your local community. So if you would like to maybe just dive in deeper to the material and really know it inside and out, if you are passionate about parenting and want to share it with your community, if you're a therapist or a doula or really just want to share a course that helps parents stop being that 
harsh parent we swore we'd never be and still have kids who cooperate with us, then I invite you to check it out. People are starting to join. I'm so excited for it. And you can find that all at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. Okay, now let's dive in. I invite you to join me at the table as I talk to Katherine Reynolds-Lewis. All right, Catherine, thanks so much for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast. My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited. I love when I can have people back because it's like, you you know, it's like now we've like chilled, we've talked about things. It's and like now a we, second date. Yeah, it's like our <laughs> second date. Totally. It totally is. So we're going to be talking about what to do this summer. And I don't know about you, but this this is such a weird time. So I'll just share a little bit about some of the things that are going on with me and my family. And I feel like, I don't, I mean, I've been feeling like through this whole COVID thing, like I've got it really good. I've got it pretty good. Like my kids are 10 and 13. They've been Montessori trained all the way. So they like kind of, they, they can do some independent work. And, you know, we've, we've all spent some co- concentrated time together because we traveled for four weeks together as a family last summer. So we're, I was feeling pretty good about things. We're doing okay. You know, my kids fight just like any other kids, but whatever. But now we're moving into summer. And so even online school, which is sucky as online school was, is gone. And there's no camp. Camp has been canceled. There's no camp. There's no, uh, there's nothing. And so, or, well, there might be a few things, but so for my kids, they have one sort of quarantine buddy. And and for at least this week, she's away for the week that my 10 year old is like totally at loose ends. And she, I wanted like give her some structure and she's really resisting that structure. And she's like, uh, you know, she's like, comfort soothing herself with like endless listening to podcasts and and harry potter and she like and and like baking lots of cookies and i'm just like oh i'm you know i'm just a little like it's all it's a very uncertain time so yeah that's kind of like where i am i mean are you in a similar circumstance um well i have kids my kids are 13 and 16 Mm -hmm. and since about march my, they have been begging to go to my parents' house in Wisconsin that ha- is on a lake, like yeah. literally begging, like, why, why can't we just go now? And I'm like, there's a graduation. Who knows if it's going to be in person or online, but if it's in person, don't you think we should be here for that, for your, you know, um, for the little one's graduation from eighth grade. And finally, last week, my mom and dad drove them 12 and a half hours oh, straight. Wow. God bless them. And the first day they were there, I get the phone calls. It's boring here. (laughs) We should have stayed at home. So part of that, I think, is just because Wisconsin's so much colder than Maryland. So they can't quite do the swimming and boating and paddle boarding that they wanted. And partly is because they did have a social network here, even if it was socially distanced. So maybe once a week, you know, they go and go for a socially distanced bike ride or come over and sit six to 10 feet apart and talk. So now they're really isolated. But I am doing great. I have, there is so much time in the day when you're not taking care of children, um, even teenagers who, um, I heard this when I, my kids were little and it's so true that the needs are more unpredictable mm-hmm. that, you know, they're much more self-sufficient. They can entertain themselves for hours at a time, but it's a little harder to know, okay, when am I going to get my break? 
right? Because uh, sometimes it can be at 1130 at night and I'm not at my best and they really need me. Um, but so this very moment, it's great. I'm going to be reuniting with them in about 10 days and then we'll have more of a balance of childcare and work. But for right now, I lined up the 10 projects that I have that are due at the end of the month. I'm like, I need to finish them all <laughs> before, before we see our kids. And, um, that to me has always been the the piece of advice I give parents is you need to plan, prioritize, and don't think we're just going to white knuckle it through, right? And just sort of figure it out day by day. Because if we don't at least have a plan, then those days are just going to either feel like Groundhog Day where you're doing the same thing over and over or just like chaos. And depending on your kids, you know, it can be a very different kind of schedule or plan or structure. But, um, you know, I think it's great to have a quarantine buddy. It's great to have other families that you are on the same page about what social distancing means and what practices you're, you've, you've um, taken to be safe. And, and then also, if you, um, if you don't have that sort of neighborhood resource or local resource, I think this is a really good time to look ahead at the next three months and say, how am I realistically going to get through this taking care of my adult responsibilities, being present for my kids and, um, you know, able to support them in the way that they need. And you maybe have a cousin who can come live with you for three months or, you know, high school best friend or someone who can expand your resources. Because right now it's just evidence that the nuclear family model of parenting has failed us and we just can't go it alone. It's so true. And like you and I haven't even talked about the people who I feel so, so much sympathy for all the time, every day, who have the worst, who have time, have small kids. <laughs> like if you have three kids under the age of four right now, and then you might be single parenting. You know, like I was talking to a client yesterday who has a six uh, month old and a three year old and is in the process of going through a divorce and her husband's like leaving the house next week. And her family is all like five states away. So like, oh my goodness, what, 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 what are these people going to do? But yeah, we need to, I absolutely agree with you. We need to plan, prioritize, don't, you know, we have to find some resources. Like don't feel like you have to go through all of this alone. Even if you have a partner to be trying to work and take care of little kids uh, every day for the next three months, if you've been doing it for the last two months, it's crazy making, literally crazy making. So like m sometimes I ask people like, okay, so if you, if you went to the doctor and the doctor told you <laughs> that if you didn't, if you didn't find some support some way, somehow in the next five weeks, like you were, you were going to die of some like terrible disease, how would you make it happen? Like, what would you do to make it happen? Because I think sometimes we don't force ourselves to kind of get out, outside of the box and be creative with reaching out for support because there's this feeling of like, oh, I should be able to do this on my own. And that's BS. Right, right. And so it's getting support outside your home. It's getting support within your home, right? So I think that planning process should include your kids no matter how little they are, right? To think about instead of us going late at night through all those long lists of resources for online classes and picking the ones we think our kids want, you know, do it with our kids and 
And, you know, my kids rejected all the online classes, but one. So instead they're, you know, doing woodworking. We've ordered some supplies for building a a structure to hold our logs for the fire that one of my kids wants to make and they're gardening, they're weeding, they're, you know, they've chosen things that they want to do and it is not pre-calculus, right? It's not learning Latin. It's not even the really cool, um, you know, music songwriting online class that I think that, that they should take. And so that's where collaboration with our kids is really important. And at, at the very beginning of all of this, um, my husband was actually deployed for a month and I said to my kids, we had a family meeting and I said, I cannot do this by myself because I, it's just not possible for one adult to be in charge of everyone in the house, right? Taking care of all their needs and taking care of my own adult work and responsibilities and cleaning and cooking and, you know, supplying all the things. So how are we going to divide this up? And that's another really good conversation to have with kids that, you know, we need to be in this together. And again, it's not us saying these are your chores that you must do. It's this is all of the work that the family has. How should we divide it up? And the older kids are going to be more able to deal with an open-ended question. And the younger kids are going to be, you know, you're going to want to give more limited choices. So, um, so that's part of it. And I do love what you said, Hunter, about we need to think outside the box, right? I, I have a friend who literally flew in a, a, a friend who's single to spend three months with her because wow. you know you have to recognize even if you could take care of your child 24 7 for the next three months and that's the only person there that would not be healthy for either of you so we all need a break even if it's just a half of a day a week or you know a couple hours a day and i think acknowledging that now and recognizing it as a strength to ask for help and as a way that we model for our kids that everyone needs help and it's a gift to ask as well as a gift to, you know, give that help. Yeah. I love that. Recognize that it's a strength to ask for help. Yes. 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 Oh, by the way, talking about including your kids in the chores, I love it. No matter how, you know, how, no matter how little they are, they can do things. One of the things I feel like was most successful when we did some women problem solving with this in my family about how to deal with the chores is that my husband and I wrote down all the chores and cut on a piece of paper and like cut them out like little strips of paper. And then we like wrote everything down we could think of, all the things that we do inside the house and outside the house. And then we got a big piece of paper and words four of us. So we divided up into four quadrants and then we said, this is how it is now. And we physically took those pieces of paper and piled them all up in my and Bill's boxes <laughs> and then said, this is too much for us. You know, what can you take? And so they literally chose and they took one and they put it, they took some and put them in their boxes. So it, you, it could see that it was, it was, there was, <clears throat> you know, they were taking on some things. It was a little less crazy lopsided and that visual i'm sure the physical the visual and the tactile nature of that conversation i'm sure helped them as well to understand the need stay tuned for more mindful mama podcast right after this break we are supported by Grassroots Farmers Cooperative. I am very conscious about how I eat my meat. I used to be semi-vegetarian for many, many years. Now I reduce a lot and summer grilling is upon us and I want to make extra special care that I am buying the best 
quality meat available, which is why I am so grateful that there's Grassroots Farmers Cooperative. We made barbecue chicken last weekend and everyone agreed that it was some of the best barbecue that we've ever made. It was so tender and juicy. But not only that, I feel good supporting them because their animals live happy lives outdoors in the pasture. I'm supporting local family farms across the USA who care about their land, they care about their animals, and their farming practices are helping to fight the effects of climate change, not cause it. And I know this because Grassroots Farmers Cooperative believes in total transparency. I truly love that I can trace every piece of meat from the pasture to the plate with their special QR codes. I'm telling you that if you haven't ordered from Grassroots Co-op yet, now is the perfect time for your summer grilling. Stock up for your next barbecue with my special limited time offer, $40 off plus free shipping. What could go wrong? It's such a great deal. Go to grassrootscoop.com slash hunter right now to get the full details and place your order today. Go now. That's grassrootscoop.com slash hunter. So you mentioned um, some online classes uh, that you're taking online woodworking. So no, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Okay. They're... No, no, no. They, they, uh, so my daughter agreed to take ge- geometry actually it was hit her idea because she wants to be ahead in, in high school and do, take the higher level science classes, but that's the only class either of them would agree to take. So instead they're doing lots of little like self directed projects, YouTube gardening teachers. or woodworking and <clears throat> basically teaching themselves through YouTube videos or whatever resources they find. And this is again, where I think you need to know your kids, right? I really, my kids have been doing, you know, work with fire and sharp objects since they were seven and eight. So I really, really trust them when it comes to safety. Um, And so I know that they're okay with the ax and the wedge and the chisel. And I think this summer can be an opportunity for kids to get a lot more independence as long as we take that training step first, right? Where we're teaching before we expect them to then go it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Sometimes I think like, especially with our second child, we forget that, you know, we're like, oh, just do this thing. And I'm like, well, did you show her how to set her alarm clock, honey? You know, she, she needs to learn how to do it. Um, but you mentioned online classes. So that, I mean, I feel like, you know, with, I have this business online, I should know this, but actually in a lot of ways, I'm not so online savvy in, in some ways. So what, what kind of classes are you seeing available for kids that they could take? Because, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff for all kinds of different ages. I don't know if you have any resources. Oh my gosh, so many. Well, I know that if, I know the Washington Post on parenting um, just published this huge compendium of mm-hmm. lots of different uh, resources. I would suggest looking there. Um, you know, there's um, sort of every institution of learning you can imagine. Um, Berkeley School School of Music is offering a ton of classes that I thought either of my kids who are very into music might like. Nah. Um, Out School is another thing that people really like, which is smaller um, seminars that are individually taught. Um, And, you know, I even have a friend who uh, runs on my gym franchise and they're doing online little gym classes, right? So it's, I think pretty much everyone's moved to online instruction. Um, So you could do arts, 
um, sports, you know, technology, there's lots of great technology classes online. Um, and actually, this is one of the, the other things that my daughter agreed is she's doing a once a week online basketball practice with the high school huh. basketball team, huh. um, which of course she loves because it's run by the captains of the team and she's so excited to be in high school next year. So it's just half an hour. But I'll tell you, she is really getting organized because I'm no longer in charge of her schedule. And so she has to keep track of these things. And that's another really great outcome for our kids, especially the sort of upper elementary middle school kids who maybe we're much more used to us telling them where to go, when to go and what to have, right? Where, where we can put it more on their plate, you know, where once a week we'll look ahead at the week and say, these are the things you have lined up. What do you need? How are you going to remember? What are the strategies you're going to use to be ready since I'm going to be in my home office working, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's another thing that I, I really like to tell parents that executive function, all of those skills of organizing and staying, keeping track of objects and time and things, those executive function skills are more important for our kids' ultimate success in school and career than IQ. So it, yes. if you can't get your kids to take the online, you know, math or language or writing class the way that I have pretty much failed to do, you know, do cooking together. All mm. those steps of cooking, right? The fractions in cooking, all of the learning that they do in context sticks with them so much more than, um, you know, the, the sort of way we think of instruction, being a teacher on a screen, telling them what to do and them writing it down. So um, that's another really important just truth for parents to be aware of that learning in context is so much more meaningful and it stays with our kids longer. So when you see your kid out building something in the mud or, you know, <clears throat> creating a, oh, sorry, <laughs> when you see your kids creating, you know, a fort in the woods, that they're actually learning a lot through that process and it means a lot to them. So all the play that we can encourage our kids to do that's more free form is going to be a foundation for when they do eventually return to school. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I would, I feel like I would be thrilled if they were doing some more freeform play. For me, going into this sort of early adolescence and adolescence thing, my older daughter is really organized. My younger daughter is a little like, I'd be thrilled if she was like playing, but she's just listening to Harry Potter. Oh my God, I never thought I would resent <laughs> Harry Potter the way I do now. Oh my goodness. But but for little kids, right? For for younger kids, um, that this is a real, I think, in a lot of ways actually, maybe a golden opportunity for free play because the things in the past in the pre-COVID world, I've been encouraging people to simplify, slow down, to have less, if at most like have one activity. Uh, and, and, and this kind of parallels like with the kids' brain structure, right? Like when kids are younger and their brains are developing, that free play where they decide the rules, they decide what's going on, all that pretend play, that's really, really important word, unstructured free play, right? And then as kids get to my daughter's age, 10 and plus, that's when they're needing, they're needing more structure. But for those younger kids right now, maybe for parents, if you're worried that they don't have enough structure, maybe instead uh, we can invite you to reframe your thinking to say that this is like really a golden opportunity for them to have a free, a more free and open child summer of childhood with, you know, with some, some rhythm and routine in there, but, but pretty free and open. What do you think about that, Catherine? Oh, absolutely. And it's not just for the, our younger kids. You know, mm -hmm. my kids are 
in a lot of ways, like you said, regressing. Um, I We've seen a lot of Harry Potter reading as well. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I think part of it is, as you say, this sort of self-soothing, something that you loved when you were younger, when life didn't seem as scary or mm-hmm. uncertain. Um, and that's also another great opportunity to have a conversation with our kids so that they notice that they're doing that self-soothing. We want them to be able to self-soothe, but we also want them to have a limit, right? It's like anything that makes us feel good because it numbs it a little bit, right? A little bit is good. We want to be able to regulate our emotions, but we don't want that to be the only thing we do. Mm-hmm. So I've been surprised that my kids also have pulled out the Legos. I mean, they are 13 and 16 and they're <laughs> building. I, no, nobody play this for them because they'll be embarrassed. But, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of things that they used to do when they were younger. And I think it's because it's that touch point to a, a mm. safer, simpler time. Mm. Um, but at a certain point, right, I kick them outside. I say, go play Frisbee, go throw a baseball, um, you know, do something else. And um, this is where I... I, I think of it as my sort of bare minimum parenting standards that like, mm. if I go to bed at the end of the day and everything has gone wrong and everyone fought and cried and yelled and didn't do their chores, what do I have to be able to check off where I feel like, okay, I did my job. Mm. And I actually discussed a, li- a little bit of his, his internal work for me and what I want to feel that I've done for my family and my kids. And the other part is a conversation with them where we talked about what has to happen every day, right? I want everyone to get enough sleep. That is the foundation for mental and physical health. So and we actually talk about- we're doing great on that because they're not waking <laughs> up at like 5 a.m. to go to high school at 7 a.m. for or even elementary schools. I'm thrilled with the sleep piece. Yeah, that so sleep, sleep is one. Although I would say, you know, having no screens in the bedroom is a key because yes. sometimes we go to bed before our kids or they get up. And so I think it's important to tune into what your kids actually are doing at night. Uh, number two is exercise. So every day we get a little exercise, even if it's just a walk, we get outdoor time. And I insist on three meals because my kids get so engrossed in activities, they forget to eat and then everyone fights and everyone cries and it's not good. So, um, and then the fifth is I want to connect with every member of my family, right? I don't need to be this present, always available, you know, sympathetic parent forever, 24 seven, but at least for a good 10, 15 minutes, I connect one-on-one with each kid. And that special time is so important to just make sure you're in touch with them and they have that connection, which we know is the most important thing for our children to feel grounded, to feel safe, to be able to have that sense of resilience and, um, and come out on the other end of this whole COVID experience, having grown as opposed to feeling more traumatized. Yeah. So I, I would love for you to just like repeat that, Catherine, because I think it, it's something that we all need to remember that it is not about um, <laughs> necessarily about how much Harry Potter is being listened to or if that people are, or kids are fighting. The thing that they need most from us is this connection. It just, yeah. and it doesn't have to be a lot of time. It, you know, it could be just a little bit, but they need some time where we are a hundred percent there not judging them, just seeing them, accepting them as a loving presence. Right, right. We we want to do so much for our kids, but ultimately what they need from us is just us, right? Our non-reactive presence, our honesty, if we're having a tough day and we're feeling a little scared, our playful spirit when we can get into their silliness and their goofiness and really just enjoy it. 
and ultimately for us to be confident leaders right now that um, even if we have to fake it a little bit until we make it to be able to have faith in ourselves and and of course that also comes from giving ourselves those five things that I think are just as important for us as adults right enough sleep regular healthy meals exercise outdoor time and connection with our kids our partner our friends our parents our parents or whoever it is that fills our bucket so you know we always have to think about putting our own oxygen mask on first so we can be that non-judgmental supportive present parent for our children and let's just be real because a lot of times this looks like oh this has been a crappy day I feel miserable and I just want to sit on the couch and watch Queer Eye and have a glass of wine. How are you doing? Was your day better? What are, you know, what's going on for you? So we can be real people with our kids. We can be, it's really, really much better if we are honest and real with how we're feeling because they see, see it anyway. And if we can be real with them, they see beyond the role and they see us, you know, we're having a real connection. there. Yeah. And we're also modeling that, you know, everyone has ups and downs and bumps. And part of what defines us as leaders of our family is that we get back up. We apologize if we yelled or we were, you know, stressed or whatever. We make amends if we, um, if we need to. And then we move forward and we find somehow that inner reserve to say, okay, tomorrow will be a better day or let's just, you know, wrestle and play a pillow fight or have a tickle war or dance. You know, when, um, when I really need my kids to laugh, I will threaten to twerk because guaranteed <laughs> that is the worst case scenario for a teenager that your mom would even know that word. <laughs> I totally want to see that, Catherine. Like after this, we're going to be on our having like a twerking. I'll invite session. you to my secret TikTok <laughs> channel. <laughs> Oh, so, so this is great. So we need to, we need to plan, we need to prioritize and kind of what I'm hearing you say is also, and I think this is important. Um, and I think it's for me personally, something I have to keep coming back to is that we need to lower our expectations right now for our kids, right? We need to acknowledge we get, we're all in this. It's been happening for so long that now this feels normal-ish, right? And so, I mean, at least for me, I have to remind myself, oh yeah, okay, so my daughter wants, wanted more screen time and, you know, because her sister who's older now has a much more unlimited screen time, I said, well, when your sister was 10, she didn't, she only had an hour a day. And then I have to remind myself, but she could also go to camp. She could also play with, her other friends. She could also just freely make a play date. She could also, we could have all these other things in our life. And she didn't have this like weight of this, uh, don't, don't touch people, don't come near people, that kind of thing on her head. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's another opportunity to talk to our kids about balance. It's not that more screen time is bad and less screen time is always good, but the screen time might crowd out all these other healthy things that I want you to do, like go for a run or, you know, dance party in the kitchen or help cook dinner or, you know, these other ways that it's important for us to have a balanced life and, and exercise all parts of our being. So 
you know, it's sort of having a, your child develop this feedback mechanism of what is it like when I'm on Instagram for three hours or I'm uh, playing Minecraft for two hours and I like blink and I suddenly realize, oh my gosh, I'm starving because I forgot to eat and I get in a fight with my sibling because I'm so cranky from being in the same position for so long. So that it's not just, um, it's not that we always have to get it perfect, but sometimes when it goes wrong, that can be an opportunity for our kids to reflect and to learn and maybe make a different choice in the future. And, um, and they'll make that choice potentially in collaboration with us because very few children will request less screen time. But, um, you know, if we're looking at the impact of the screen time on our kids as opposed to the raw number mm. and the, what they're doing with that time mm. and what time of day it is, then we, in collaboration with them, can start to figure out, oh, it works really well when it's like early afternoon and you can get some exercise afterwards and then you sleep well, but it doesn't work so well if it's after dinner, you know, and this is just hypothetical, right? It, your kid's going to be different, but for them to start understanding the impact it has on them and then growing into then as a later adolescent and young adult, being able to better regulate their use of screens, that's ultimately our goal is to turn over the steering wheel to them to give them the decision-making and the power. And we have to start doing it little by little when they're in our homes or, you know, they're not going to develop the muscles to be able to make those tough decisions around how I spend my time, what I indulge in, what feels good up until a point. But then after the, you know, 12 hour Harry Potter listening session, you know, maybe there's some other things I've neglected, right? So it's about helping our kids start to develop those limits for themselves. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm very, I'm very much on that side of I want to let my kids develop some of those limits for my, themselves, and I see for my older daughter that she's she's just you know sort of a unique little unicorn in that way, um, but with my younger daughter, she's very sensitive and very prone to just like uh, extremes, I think, and you know we kind of talked to her about that, but um, you know I I very much you know, in mindful parenting, we teach how, teach how to create intrinsic motivation, right? How to not use extrinsic motivation, carrot and sticks as, as much as possible. And, you know, at least in our own life, I'm going to own up to it that we had to use a little of the extrinsic motivation, you know, and I feel like, yeah, that's it, as much as possible. We use that intrinsic motivation. And in our life, we saw, well, she's kind of going to these extremes. And so this, we had this opportunity for, there's a kind of modified swim team at the neighborhood pool that recently opened, which is, thank goodness, um, that opened up and she didn't want to do it, didn't want to do it. But we said, well, you really want this extra hour of screen time during the day. What we really want for you is balance. This is what we really want for you. And we'll, you know, if you want to do swim team, we'll let you do this extra hour screen time a day. And, um, and she chose, it was totally her choice and she, she chose to do it. So I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. She's <laughs> getting some exercise yeah. and she's kind of getting a little of what she wants. So I feel like in a way we use this like carrot, this kind of extrinsic motivation, but you know, it, nothing's black and white, right? Like we're yeah. all in this continuum. If we can, you know, you be as intrinsically motivated as possible and as respectful in a lot of ways as possible. But, you know, for us, we were like, here's, here's this like sort of boundary or, and we're going to hold it yeah. and a little place for you. I don't know. 
Yeah, and as parents, we need to ultimately be the final word on health and safety mm-hmm. when we see something potentially being either damaging or being a loss of an opportunity to be more healthy. And I really like how you framed it as a balance, right? That if you're going to be spending an hour more on screen time, you need to have another hour of exercise. And that's, I think that's a really good way for her to look at it for life that, you know, mm-hmm. it's fine, as I said before, to have these sort of indulgences that maybe aren't exercising your body or your brain as much, but you want to balance that with something creative, something physical, something connecting, something of service, right? The other parts of you that besides just the piece that wants to be soothed and indulged, right? The part, we also have to have the part that needs to be challenged. And in our family, we talk a lot about responsibilities and privileges. Mm -hmm. So um, when you have more freedom, when you have more independence, when you have more privileges, we expect you to step up and take more responsibility. And it's not this one for one carrot stick. It's just that as you grow into a more mature, contributing, capable person, we expect you not only to get the benefits of that additional freedom and privilege, but to take on the responsibilities. And that can be household responsibilities. It can be responsibility to self for the self-care around exercise, cleanliness, organization, right? All those other things that we know is our end goal for our children as adults, right? We're going to want to see them start to take those on more and more. And the only other thing that occurred to me as you were talking is it can be so hard when we see our kids on that path, but really not quite there. And you're like, oh no. And you start to worry And I always, I love how my husband frames this because he says, I'm concerned, but I'm not worried. So Mm. we can have a concern about our child, you know, being on TikTok. My kids both obsessed with TikTok on it (laughs) so long, but ultimately we have to have faith that they're going to be okay. So we don't want to sink into that worry and spinning into, Mm. you know, 20 years, they're going to be living in a van down by the river and they're never going to get a job or find a partner, right? Because that catastrophic thinking isn't serving anyone. So we want to share a concern And then listen with this real curiosity and optimism and hopefulness that they're going to figure out a solution, or maybe we'll figure it out together Mm -hmm. to address whatever the current concern is. Um, And that's really helped me because I am very prone to black and white thinking, to catastrophic (laughs) thinking. And when I can put on that little hat of, I have confidence in my child that even though they may look like a mess right now, who's making all the wrong choices that they're going to come through this and be stronger and, and move forward in a positive way. That's such a, a great point to remember. I like, I love that. I'm concerned, but not worried. And I think what, what's kind of underlying that statement that's really powerful to remember for us as parents, as we go through this summer in this difficult time is that emotions are contagious and that our, you know, if we are living in a sea of worry and fear and, and we're constantly involved in the news or social media where, we're, where our pot is just getting stirred and stirred and stirred and stirred, uh, that, that we're not going to be able to be there for our kids in, in any way, shape, or form that these pieces of taking care of our, ourself and taking care of our own emotional health are truly, truly vital. Oh, absolutely. And again, that's a great opportunity to model if we maybe overdo sort of listening to the news or getting worked up about fall and what it's going to look like. You know, our kids see that, right? We're all together all the time now. So we can say, you know what? I 
just spent an hour, you know, surfing the news and it got me really worked up. And would you be willing the next time you see me going into that spiral to just tap my shoulder and say, Hey mom, are you going into a spiral? Because that would really help me to stop myself before I over consume all this news that can be kind of anxiety provoking. So that's um, just an idea of how you can handle it. There's lots of other wonderful ways to handle it, but oh, that's including, beautiful. including not going into the spiral in the first place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I found, you know, the first couple of months of this, I was lying in bed first thing in the morning and reading through news on my phone. And I yeah. really didn't have as good of a day when I started my day that way. And if I can just wait to t touch my phone until 10, right? <laughs> I've started the day. I've connected with my family. We've all had a little food, right? We all do better with a little nutrition. Um, that Those days tend to be better for me. I had a similar thing too. Like generally most of my life, I don't look at the news uh, until the evening. And then of course, as COVID started happening, it's, it is, I have to like be on alert, right? That's fight, flight, or freeze response is happening for a reason to make me more alert. And that's fine, right? Like collectively we're on more alert and that's fine. So I did, yeah, check the news in the morning and no, it didn't leave me feeling good, but for a while it felt important. And then there was a point where I had to stop and say, okay, this is not serving me anymore. I have to, have to take a step back. And then with Harold Floyd and Black Lives Matter, then I was back again, you know, checking the news in the morning. And, and for me personally, uh, I've had to, you know, you st step back and, and stop and, and say, okay, I'm going to check in the evening and, you know, bring my, you know, regardless, I think in some ways, like there's, there's so many levels of different levels of involvement that you can be in this and everybody's pot is getting stirred in a big way. And, it's important to remember that um, that that piece about being involved online and in social media and in the news and stuff that can be really important, and it can be really important to process things in your own life, in your own time, and to step back and give yourself some time and space to process things in a way that's meaningful in a deeper way for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my kids have become really activists this summer, um, you know, after the killing of George Floyd and all the Did um, I say, protests. I think I said Harold Floyd. <laughs> OMG. I'm so sorry, everybody. Okay. I keep, I kept forgetting his, and, I'm bad and, with names in general. I'm just going to just <laughs> put that out there as like a big disclaimer. Oh. And no, and you know, I think we also have to be okay with occasionally being imperfect. You know, I've tried to engage. Um, I've, I, I've done things that then, um, you know, friend will say, oh, that didn't work for me or that felt harmful or, you know, and I try to um, accept that I am a imperfect growing human, mm. right? I've been thinking about race my whole life because I'm biracial, but my mom is Chinese and my dad is white. And so I I have a lot of protection from systemic racism and, um, and I, and I don't have the same lens as many other people in this country. So it's been really great to have that discussion with my kids, not that they're old enough of how do we actually contribute and, um, not just feel like we're performing activism on social media or going mm -hmm. to a protest so we can post a picture of ourselves, which fortunately my kids are not inclined to do that sort of performative, um, you know, activism, but it, it, it forces us then to talk about, okay, what is more meaningful and lasting? And 
I think also ultimately to recognize that working for racial justice is a marathon. Mm -hmm. It is something that you're going to do better if you have breaks, if you um, you have the privilege of being able to just take a break and not think about it for a couple hours or give yourself a good night's sleep and give yourself the day before you check in with the news, right? That, that you will be better equipped to then fight whatever fight you feel called to engage in. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Those emotions are contagious. So let's take care of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it's just been really um, so many opportunities to, to talk about all these things with, with our kids. And, um, and so I would say just, you know, have lots of conversations because, um, you know, no one is going to be perfect, but, um, but on the whole, you're going to be growing and learning and engaging in, in healthy ways. All right. So what to do this summer? We want to plan. We want to plan, think about, you know, and part of that planning is like thinking about your circle, you know, we have a pod I've discussed here. We are, we are in a family pod where we're kind of merged with another family and we have discussions about the visits to our relatives. And we had a discussion where we're going to visit my parents who my father is immunocompromised. He has Lyme disease and suffers from neuropathy and um, he's kind of worried about us coming. And so we're going to, we're going to get tested. We're going to, you know, be more strictly quarantined for a couple of weeks and then we're going to go. Um, but we're also, at least in our family, you know, this is like, you have to make your own plan. You know, what mm-hmm. do you feel comfortable with? Like having gone to our pool, we feel comfortable with the pool. It feels like a safe place where there's plenty of room for everybody. Um, do you, you know, can you, can you, I mean, maybe it's a good time to expand into a pod so that there are some social connections and you can have, your kids can have like, you know, maybe at least one like normal kid friendship and, um, yeah. And then those minimum parenting standards. That's great. I love that. You know, sleep, exercise, outdoor time and meals. And then kids, what do they need from us? They need our non-reactive presence, right? This is what they need from us. Yeah. Right. And, you know, again, it's sort of this wonderful opportunity to average over the whole summer, right? So we're going to have plenty of tough moments, but on the whole, if we can have more positive, connecting, um, supportive time with our kids, then that's going to serve them really well. Um, And, you know, I think we say plan, but I also think as parents, we sort of have to be like the the weebles that wobble but don't fall down. Do you remember those toys where like you push them over and they pop back up? Because we're going to make all these plans. We're going to discuss them with our kids. They're going to agree. And then then we're like, okay, here we plan. We're going to have this day and these are the chores or they're going to get done. This is the activity. And there's going to be a day they're like not going according to plan. And we need to just pop back up the next day with the new plan or a different plan or, or try the same plan again and see if it works better the other time. Um, and I think that again is going to serve us really well if we cannot get too invested into this one picture of how it's going to go or how they're going to feel or, or what it's going to um, turn out to be so that we can ourselves feel really resilient. I did all this research to find an amazing band camp for you and then you rejected it. Okay, well, you know, try something else next time. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, it goes to lowering our expectations for ourselves too. And that sounds kind of bad, I guess, on the surface, right? Lower your expectations. But in a way, expectations is looking forward, right? Look out, looking outside of the present moment. And what we're seeing is that, you know, and what I know to be true is that when we are fully in this present moment, when we let go of the future as best we can, when we bring our thoughts back to here, what is real here and now in front of me? What can I see, hear, smell, taste, touch? What is really real right here? That is when we reduce our suffering. That is when we can have more compassion. And if we get to this moment and we discover, oh, I'm feeling well a little bit badly because I named someone real, the wrong name or I said something unskillful to my kid or I I've been grumpy all day and and or my kids have been fighting all day if we get to this moment and we notice that it's a moment of difficulty like that we can feel that acknowledge it look at it and say okay this is a moment that this, these, these sensations that we feel in those difficult moments are teachers. They're teaching us something. We are resilient. We can be with those things. And then we can start to shift and, and, and not, we can't, we have the capability to not stay stuck and to move into that next moment with fresh eyes. And, yeah. and let go. Right. Absolutely. We need to be as compassionate with ourselves in those moments as, you know, we would be with a friend. Yes. Yes. So practice, practice self-compassion this summer. Uh, actually, there will be a podcast coming up with a great, with the author of uh, self-compassion for parents. So dear Ooh, listener, segue. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get that's coming down the line um, in the queue. So are you going to do any traveling or anything this summer, Catherine? Well, we are going to be driving 12 and a half hours to Wisconsin to wow. the lake house. <laughs> so, um, but my 76 year old dad has now done it three times he drove there drove back and drove back so um i can't hardly complain about doing it myself later and um it's it's it I puts think you to shame <laughs> exactly i'm like i can't complain about a four-hour drive when he's doing that so i'm excited just to have a change of scenery to have um some more a little bit be more immersed in nature i think that'll be good um, but you know, it, it, it is a little bit, um, you know, we sort of don't know what to expect. So we've also said like, this is our plan of our travel plan for the summer. And we also have to stay aware of changing public health conditions and, mm. you know, just be, be prepared to be flexible. But, um, so that's always, I guess the danger right now is when you're looking forward to something you also have, to, at least for me, it helps me to sort of steal myself against like, okay, and plans might change and we'll have to just roll with that too. Thank you. I think I needed that because I recently found out that I'm going to also get to see my like brother and his family when I visit my parents. They're gonna they're in Boston. They're gonna drive down to Rhode Island for like the day trips. And I'm so happy about that. You know, I love them so much. I miss them all so much. It's been so long since I've seen them. I'm like, you know, I I do as much as I practice to stay in the present moment, I really do like it, when I don't have something to sort of look forward to i get a little down so i can see i can see this in myself you know that i'm like really looking forward to it so 
I'm going to gird my loins. <laughs> <laughs> but only it could if, go wrong. <laughs> only if you're someone who, who does well with what that's called is defensive pessimism. Oh. So I'm a defensive pessimist. I like to prepare, mm. hope for the best and plan for the worst. My husband is an optimist. So when I bring my defensive pessimism to his anticipatory uh, joy, it just crushes his spirit. So <laughs> I would say it only works for, you know, you need to know yourself to know because um, another thing that's a wonderful concept that I, uh, Laura Vanderkam, I have a friend who writes a lot right. about time management and productivity. She talks about your future self, your present self, and that when you are planning a vacation or you're anticipating seeing family, you get that enjoyment now. Hmm. So you don't want to deny yourself the joy of anticipating something wonderful, right? Hmm. And that's why it's so fun to plan a vacation because you sort of look ahead at your future self and you anticipate, you know, that you're going to enjoy it. So, so, you know, indulge in that too. I think, you know, you're certainly capable of adjusting if, if things change down the road. Thank you. I appreciate that warning because I am probably much more like your husband in that I'm, I'm much better able to like handle like bad news, but to like anticipatory, like give myself some defensive pessimism. I'm not sure. Like, yeah. So that no, forget, forget that whole parade. conversation. Just rewind, <laughs> delete it from the podcast. <laughs> rewind. <laughs> oh no, but this, it's good, you know, because I know that that's how we all are, right? Where this is like, this brand new strange world this summer. And, you know, we've got to acknowledge that it's different. If even if you're not directly suffering like family members, you know, sickness or death, you know, this is different and it's unusual and it's okay that it's a little hard. Um, but you're not alone. Get support. Yeah. If you are alone, get some support. Um, and, and I think ultimately what, what we're all struggling with right now is the loss of control. Mm -hmm. There's so little that we have power over right now, you know, where we can go, who we can see, um, you know, what options are available for us for socializing. And I think also just acknowledging that's really hard, right? We are a species that likes control. And so just to grieve a little bit that, that we don't have it, we really are very powerless right now. And I think, naming it and acknowledging it can also be a way of healing and preventing us from going into that, then trying to control the one thing remaining, right? Our mm -hmm. children who yes. have this illusion that we can control them. So, so don't do that. Just, you know, sit in it and grieve it. And, and, you know, and, and yes, we're all in it together. So all the whole world over people have lost that control. It's amazing. Well, thank you. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate your uh, thoughtful conversation and, and coming on to talk to me about this. It's kind of helped, you know, I love the podcast because I get to talk to so many people and it's always so helpful for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I became a journalist. I get to, you know, interview <laughs> smartest people in the world and, and benefit personally. <laughs> so I think it's just smart. Um, I'm going to just do a quick plug for your book since it's been a while since you came on the podcast. The good news about bad behavior, why kids are less disciplined than ever and what to do about it is a fabulous book, a great read, and I really, really highly recommend it. So you should go get that for your summer reading list. if you. Like oh, thank you, Hunter. <laughs> and uh, can I also plug the summer masterclass series that I, mm. um, I'm working mm -hmm. on the Parenting in Place masterclass series with 17 other parenting neuroscience wellness authors. And we've had a wonderful response and it's been all, another thing where I've created something that then I benefit from because I get to hear all these wonderful authors in conversation around issues that are really 
um, very pressing and important this very unusual summer. And where can people find them? Uh, Parentinginplacemasterclass.com. Great. Thank you so very much, Catherine. Oh, my pleasure, Hunter. It's always so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening. I love how she says that it is a strength to ask for help. It really is. I don't want you to dismiss that part of the conversation because it's really true. That it is a strength to ask for help. So I hope that this conversation has helped you think about this summer with a little more clarity. It certainly helped me. If you found it helpful, it's really, um, really helps the podcast out to share it with friends. Word of mouth is the best. So if you can share it with friends, um, sometimes people take a screenshot of their phones that they're listening on and, and will tag me on Instagram. That's always fun. I love seeing that you're listening and sharing it on social media, of course, is a, a big help, of course. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who does that. So wonderful. And I just want to remind you that the Mindful Parenting teacher training is enrolling now, and we are going to be having an early bird price that where you can save $1,000 on the teacher certification for teaching mindful parenting in your in-person communities. And you can t- teach that in groups at your schools or churches or even privately one-on-one in person in your communities. And all the information about that is at mindfulparentingcourse.com teach. Or you can just go to Mindful Mama Mentor and uh, I have a link in resources, but it's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. If you are passionate about this and want to take it further, want to take it deeper, then I would love to meet you and talk about it more. And there's an application process on that webpage. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I have so many good episodes coming up for you this summer. Oh my goodness. I've talked to so many cool people. They are coming down the line. So keep checking out your your email and your your wherever you listen to podcasts on Tuesday mornings and I'll be there for you I'll be there next week thank you so much for listening I appreciate your inviting me into your life into your ears I feel really honored and grateful for that so so thank you and I wish you some peace and some joy maybe some mellow moments this week and I'll be working on that too all right Take care, my friend. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for life? I've gone from being stressed and yelling to become more grounded, more at ease, and have more enjoyable, cooperative relationships with my kids. I'm going to show you how to do it too. If you currently feel stuck or stagnant, this is for you. I've created a free downloadable audio training, Mindfulness for Moms, the superpower you need. It will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids. To get this absolutely free, simply visit the website mindfulmomguide.com. That's mindfulmomguide.com. Get started with mindfulness, the superpower moms need. I'll see you there.